I'm a part of an art show coming up on Friday, August 25th from 7 p.m. until midnight. Uh, the art show is called Home and Away. Um, it's at the gallery at Hardy and Nan Street Studios. Uh, the address is 902 Hardy Street. We're getting sponsored by Deep Eddy, Topo Chico, and uh, Buffalo Bayou Brewing, um, as well as Red Bull. So stop by for a free drink, uh, maybe buy some artwork, and uh, say hi to everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Boys in the Barrio. Today's guest is a photographer, and he has taken the word uh, Taco King to another level, actually, yeah. for me, which we'll be talking about. He is also involved with Houston Press. It is my pleasure to welcome Marco Torres to the Boys in the Barrio. What's up, man? Thank you for joining us today, man. You know what? I've never met anybody named Bentley. I do. So that's, that's an honor. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, I always wanted to ask that to people. Hey, am I the first Bentley you've met? You get what I mean? But I've never asked. But yeah, I am. And I am Latino. What, what were my parents thinking? I don't know. It was actually my dad. I don't know. I truly don't know. To this day, I asked him a while back, did, was there, did he know about the car? And he didn't know about the car. So I don't know. Hmm. Maybe so maybe it was one of those, like, you know how baseball players, like from Cuba and Dominican Republic, they name them, like, uh, like I don't know, like. Well, the weird names, weird uh, American names. Try to give him good credit. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. story, the story he gave me was like when uh, he name. came, he came from El Salvador. Okay. This guy helped him named Bentley, and he helped him get on his feet. But I was like, damn, there was a Bentley back then, though. I don't know. <laughs> well, how did he get his? First one. I know. How did he get his? You know, so I'm like, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. But well, thank out. you for the invite. You know, I once you call, once you let me know that I was gonna come, I was very excited. I listened to some of the podcasts and. I like your style, and uh, you know I'm happy to be here. Uh, my name is Marco Torres. Actually, it's Marco Antonio Torres. I was, I was. They born, gave you the, the, the. I know. Man. Salazar, Marco Antonio Torres Salazar Frausto is my full name. They got I'm you. I'm definitely Snap. Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in Mexico. I was born in Matamoros, which is right across the border from Brownsville, Texas. Correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, we migrated to Houston when I was five years old. So. Uh, back then, it was in the east side, over by uh, Ninfa's restaurant, like Navigation Jensen area. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And when I turned, um, when my brother and sister were born, when I was ten, that's when we moved to the north side. And I've been in the north side ever since. So uh, well, yeah, Marco Torres, uh, better known as Marco from Houston. I'm a photographer and a music journalist. I um, and a taco. Uh, I think Fox Twenty Six called me a taco uh, aficionado or taco expert. Nice. Something like that. No, a taco connoisseur, something like that. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I worked on a book called The Tacos of Texas. Damn. And which was the best job I've ever had. <laughs> and, uh, I bet shit. So, yeah, I'm, I do a little bit of everything. You know, I like I like photography. I like music. I like tacos. tacos. <laughs> <laughs> I love tacos. Talk yeah. more about this taco book. I, we'll get into the photography, but uh, break a little bread off on us uh, as far as the taco book goes. How did that come about? So, the, the book is called The Tacos of Texas. Um, the author's... It, there, there's two authors. One of them is Mando Rayo. He's actually from El Paso, but he's lived Shout in out El Paso. Yeah, he's lived in um, Austin for about 20 years. The other gentleman, his name is uh, Jared Nice. He's from Beaumont, but he actually lives in uh, Austin, and he's actually the head of so the South by Southwest Film Festival. Wow. So his job is amazing. He goes around the world to all the film festivals and watches. Two to three hundred movies a year, and selects which ones he wants for South by Southwest. Nice. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. But they started this blog called Taco Journalism, like in the mid two thousands in Austin, and it was always named like one of the best blogs. 
everything and um, they got a book deal about three or four years ago it was a small book deal with some publisher off the East Coast it was called Austin Breakfast Tacos the story of the most important taco of the day and it was a regional bestseller it was very successful real cool real cool you know everything photos interviews tacos everything fast forward a couple of years the University of Texas approached them and said, hey, we really liked your last book. We want to do a taco book, but about the whole state of Texas. So once they got that deal, they contacted me and said, hey, you know, because everybody else is in Austin. I'm the only one from Houston that associated with the book. They're like, hey, we see that you're kind of putting it down in Houston with your taco knowledge and your taco journalism. And we see that you're a photographer, very versatile. You can do portraits and food and events and all kinds of stuff. So he goes, so we want you to take this gig. Uh, we're going to pay you, and we're going to travel, and we're going to eat tacos, and you're going to get paid How could to you eat say tacos. No. <laughs> it was definitely the best gig. I, I, pretty, I said yes before I even knew the number of money they were going to give me. Did so. you cry a little bit? I, like, I, you're I like, definitely on, probably peed a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I was like, I put him on hold. And I, I know, real quick. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was, it was amazing. So we... We spent about six to seven weeks on the road. We drove everywhere. Um, so Mando, the, one of the authors, he's a marketing genius. So he got Chevy to sponsor the trip. Oh, Chevy nice. gave us a brand new truck, and we we branded it like vinyl all around. Damn. We called it the the uh, the taco truck, uh, Texas taco truck. Okay. Chevy taco truck. That's what we called it. Hashtag Chevy okay. taco truck. It was like top of the line, like high country edition Silverado four door with wi-fi and everything like leather seats and we had a camper that we put our stuff in and we could lock and it was amazing i mean it, it drove like a like a bentley <laughs> nice. it drove amazing drove amazing bro so we started <laughs> in austin we went down to the valley uh brownsville port isabel far texas McAllen, the whole valley and then we went to laredo el paso uh midland odessa back to austin Corpus Christi, Houston, and Dallas. So we hit 10 different cities in, uh, across the, the state of Texas. And which one do you think had one of the good tacos? Man, so... Best and worst, out of curiosity. I mean, I'm I'm from Houston, so when you talk about taco trucks on every corner, we have that in Houston. We mm-hmm. fucking corner the market on authentic taco Mexican taco, taco trucks. Correct, I mean, no doubt. literally every corner we have no, taco man. trucks. And they're all... Pretty great. I mean, you really, really, really have to search hard for a bad taco in yeah. Houston off a truck. Um, so that part of the taco experience we have on lock. But fuck, the Valley has amazing like breakfast tacos and barbacoa tacos and obviously authentic tacos, you know. So the Valley's amazing. Laredo was top-notch kind of across the board with barbacoa, with breakfast tacos, with everything um El Paso was up there for sure we have uh, some amazing people in El Paso that that have fed us you know over the years and everything they kind of provide to us is pretty amazing um Austin you know Austin is a good good taco city yeah they do they are more on the forefront of more fusion and tacos and more like food trucks that are kind of newer so we have Authentic Mexican and one one side. In the middle we have Tex Mex, 
And, and on the other side, we have the new American slash fusion taco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where um, Torchy tacos kind of yeah, lands yeah, in, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, Torchy's is not my favorite. I can tell you that. I, I'm so far down the list of my list of places where I would go that it's almost not there. Now, they have good queso, and there's this one taco that I do like called the Brush Fryer. Yeah, that one's That's like jerk chicken. It's really spicy jerk chicken. Yeah. They have a lot of tacos, and they're just, I just feel like they're just not all the way there. Like, I I wouldn't stand in line for Torchy's taco. What's missing? I think they could put a little bit better care into the tortillas that they serve. Yeah, definitely. And maybe even slim down the menu. Instead of doing a lot of tacos good, they could do a smaller amount of tacos really great. Yes. And they don't. They're, they're all about variety and craziness and, you know. So it is, it's, it's a mixture of Tex-Mex and New American Fusion. It's just a mixture and they're kind of lost. But people like it because it's different and it's, yeah. you know, fun. But you won't see me standing in line to get towards your tacos. Isn't Austin uh, known also to have a lot of breakfast tacos? Yeah. I mean, I would, whenever I would go there, um, at one point I was going there once a month for my old job. Yeah. And that was one thing I always did was I would always hit up a breakfast uh, taco place because they had a whole bunch of them. Yeah. I mean, now they have claimed um, to be the home of the breakfast taco, which is not true. It's more of a San Antonio thing. Yeah. As far as a home, quote unquote, of a breakfast taco also or the valley. tacos. Yeah, but they do have amazing breakfast tacos. There's a couple places in Austin. One of them is called Veracruz All Natural. They have like an amazing migas taco, which was named one of the top five tacos in the in the United States. I could eat that taco every day, all day. I mean, that shit is just because they make everything in house. They make the tortillas. They make the everything. Nothing is store. I mean, obviously you're gonna get like. They're not making the eggs right then and there. Yeah, they're yeah. buying the eggs. The, the chickens in the back. Yeah, but they're making the tortillas. Their ass they're, they come out. Like, hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and uh, there's another place in Austin called Valentina's Tex-Mex Barbecue, which is probably my favorite taco, in or at least in the top, and at least in the top three tacos in ever. Yeah, Southside. They used to be off of Brody. Now they're off of Man- Manchac. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They so the the guy's name I forget his name, but he's from San Antonio and he moved to Austin. He smokes his briskets for 16 hours. Hmm, they come nice. out just amazingly perfect. And they do have breakfast tacos, brisket and egg tacos. They have regular brisket tacos. And the salsa that they have is, a, is like a barbecue sauce salsa mix. And they put fresh avocado on there. And it's just, it's like heaven. Damn. It's like heaven. Their tortillas, they use this old little machine that they take the masa and they put the ball in the tor- and it just spits it out. And it's a perfect, it's still homemade. But it's like perfectly round, perfectly round, yeah. amazing tortilla that doesn't tear apart with all the meat and all the salsa and everything. So yeah, Austin has has its good tacos. But I mean, even Dallas, you know, as much as much as people kind of hate on Dallas, Dallas is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm I'm Houston through and through, but Dallas is, has this amazing, great music, great nightlife, really. Awesome creative people, really good tacos. Really, okay. there's a place there called Trump. Just it's just called Trompo. They when mm-hmm. we focused on them, they were he was selling stuff out of a ba- his backyard, like clandestino tacos, like speakeasy tacos. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here for the tacos. <laughs> like knocking on the That's door. The What's the password? <laughs> uh, cabron, <laughs> come on in. 
but now he has like an actual shop, like an actual place. So, I mean, the whole state is full of amazing, amazing stuff. <laughs> and I've been to California. I, I like LA tacos and stuff. I've been to San Francisco. I've been to New York. Even has some amazing tacos. You just gotta really look for them. You know, it's just the taco we say in the book is kind of like the new hamburger. It's like you, you know, Americans. I think now, especially now. They gravitate towards the taco as their comfort food, more so than what the hamburger used to be. Obviously, we still love hamburgers. Hamburgers but, become the everyday thing. Yeah, like, you, and you, now you, the tacos are because you have so many variations. Yeah, you know, you have veggie tacos, you have all kinds of breakfast tacos, say, meat tacos, everything. Chicken, yeah. I mean, as long as it has a tortilla, either flour or corn, then it's a taco, and you have a filling. You know, when you start getting into the wraps, yeah. to the lettuce wraps, and hummus wrap or whatever kind of other wraps yeah. and and uh, or sushi tacos where it's like rice and sushi and it's yeah. no as long as you have a tortilla it's a taco if it's not doesn't have a tortilla then it's not a taco so out of curiosity kind of too uh did you guys try anything else besides tacos i mean did you i mean i know you guys are i did because i'm a fat ass they <laughs> 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 try burritos and i mean i would else, go to places know? and like i'd be like oh you have really good caldo de pollo yeah, give me one of those. Okay, yeah, yeah. And like, oh, you have so, really good gorditas? Yeah, give me some of those. So, yeah, I mean, people ask me if I ever got tired of tacos. And I, I, I never got tired of tacos. You do get tired of eating when it, when eating is your job. Yeah. And we would, <laughs> we would literally wake up at 6, 7, 8 in the morning. And we would go until almost midnight every day. It gets tiring. Your mouth literally gets tired. You get tired of eating. You don't want to eat. In the first 24 hours, between three of us, we ate 55 tacos. We quickly realized that that was the wrong way to go about things. After that, it's like, okay, you can eat one or taste one, maybe eat two, and that's it. But because you don't want to stress yourself out. Mm -hmm. you know. Not just that. After that, it it could kind of start messing with your taste buds. Oh, yeah, for sure. If she she tries asco and you taste a taco, any taco, it could be the most best one. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we learned pretty quickly. Well, Mando knew, but me and Dennis, who's the videographer, we ate because everything was so good. And we just ate. Yeah, we're oh, excited. Give me another, give me another order yeah. of five tacos. Yeah, but no. So going back a little bit, how did you get into this that whole industry, basically, and what you're in, photography and journalism and all that? So I started taking photos. I picked up a digital camera for the first time in like 2004, 2005. Um I have an uncle who who lives in the southeast, and he was a professional photographer. He did quinceañeras and weddings and okay. stuff like that, uh, graduations and things. But he was all on film, like old Minolta cameras and Sony cameras or whatever. Um, and I always wanted to go and help him out and work, but I, I saw it as a really big burden, kind of putting in the film and doing the negatives and doing all It just seemed like a lot of work. Once digital cameras came around, I was like, okay, you know, I know computers. I know how to download stuff. I know how to do stuff. So I picked up a, a, first I picked up a little Sony camera, learned a little bit on there, then moved up to a little Canon and started working on that and just kind of like kept going. Like I used to, when I first started, I was shooting um, urban landscapes, abandoned buildings, a lot of graffiti uh, around the city. Like I'm not artistic. Like I can't paint i can't spray paint i can't do murals but i I was always drawn to that scene to that artistic aspect of the city so i would go document it 
And for a long time, I was one of the premier people in Houston documenting the Houston graffiti and mm-hmm. art scene. And um, a lot, I met a lot of people. This was like before Instagram, before Twitter. Before all of that. Before stuff. a lot of the stuff. Like this was all four, four or five until like about oh nine. Yeah. Like there was, I was on a forum called 12 Ounce Profit, which is a graffiti forum from New York. And I met a lot of people through there. I would travel and like to LA or to New York or other cities around the country and meet people that I only knew through the website. I only knew their graffiti names. I didn't even know their real names. And it was so, so weird. They let me sleep on their couch and then we'd go paint or they would go paint and I'd go document. Mm-hmm. And it was just something fun to do. It was like I started just loving the documentation aspect of photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is different from like working in a studio. I have a friend here in Houston. His name, he's from El Paso too. His name is Chuy Benitez. He studied uh, studio photography in at Notre Dame. Like that's his, that's what his degree is in. And then he came to U of H and he got his master's in master's in arts for photography. I mean, he's more of a artsy guy. He did a lot of you know he has the basis and the uh, technological stuff, the techniques. Um, he's more of the art world kind of thing. I did it kind of on my own. I I worked for other photographers as an assistant. Um, I taught myself through tutorials on not even on YouTube. Like this was before YouTube. Yeah. So it was like forum uh, forums. There was a, a <laughs> website called Texas Photo Forum that I was involved in, and I would just see what other people were doing and ask them questions, and then try it on my own and. Forum's the original YouTube, man. Because yeah. you get on the forum, people always have a breakdown. Yeah, of yeah I remember, yeah. Um, um, I think our AC messed up. Yeah, it was our AC at the house. And I started doing that. And YouTube didn't have nothing. And it was a forum. And it was like, the questions were like from 03, I think. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, can anybody yeah. respond? And then somebody <laughs> responded, my friend, this is what I think is wrong or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But it's it's badass. It's you so know what I mean? Like that, that yeah. was the thing. And, and it's still pretty helpful because you can find it now. Even with like a lot of computer stuff, I like yeah. to do coding. So then yeah. and my man are here too. And so he knows what's up. But you can go to a forum a lot of times. They'll say, oh, you know, you put your code on there. All of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, just do this and this. I see, you know, it's pretty tight to see that community yeah. was always bonded even before YouTube and yeah, for continued sure. now. So, I mean, uh, that's where I started. And I, I really liked what I was doing. And after college, I worked in oil and gas for about three or four years. And then I worked in finance for about eight years. And, it's you know, I was making good money, but I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like the people I was working with. I didn't like waking up early, sitting in traffic, going to work. The highlight of my day was going to lunch and finding <laughs> new places to eat for lunch. And what college did nice. you go to? I went to the University of St. Thomas, which okay, is okay. from Montrose and West Alabama. Yes, yes, yes. Really How great, was that? Really great school. Um, I worked Back then, I worked at Houston Community College. So um, I was going to just go to HCC, get my associates, and then transfer over. But then at the last minute, I got a, a, a really big scholarship through St. Thomas, and I was able just to start my my. I heard university. it's a great, a great I love place it. I mean, it's gotten a lot better over the years just because they, um, they've built a lot of um, new facilities and everything like that. So it's but it's always been a really cool campus, real chill, real good people. Um, I mean, I was raised Catholic, and that's always been a part of my life. But even going to a Catholic university, it, it didn't like hold me back at all and I, I actually they actually opened my mind up because even the the nuns and the priests that were teaching some of the classes and they wouldn't 
you wouldn't have a nun and a priest for every class, but maybe 30% of the classes. But, like, even them, they would help you open your mind to other things. Like, they, would, they wouldn't just teach Catholicism. They'd teach, you know, all other religions so that you would know what you were dealing with when you're out in the world. So they weren't afraid of teaching a lot of secular oh, yeah. uh, ideology? I mean, the, I took the two of the best classes I took were Eastern world religions and Western world religions, non-Christian. So they would teach us about voodoo. They would teach us about uh, Shintoism. Taoism and stuff like that. Basically That's not dumb, being man. biased about it. Exactly. Either. Okay, cool. They'd be like, look, this is what's out in the world. This is what other people believe. You should know what other people believe because it's out there. Damn, that's, that's right. It was amazing. It was that's, pretty. That's it was dope. pretty dope. Yeah. I, I did. I studied uh, international studies and business. Is what I got my degree in, and I minored in theology, because uh, uh, theology was a requirement, and then you just had to take two more classes and got a minor. So, I just go ahead, went ahead and did it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So yeah, I did that, and then um, you know, oil and gas for a couple years, and then finance for the other eight years, and. You know, I was making good money, but I didn't like it. So halfway through that, in 2009, is when I started working for the Houston Press. I sent an email to a bunch of editors around the city. I got an email back from my, he's still my editor now. His name is Chris Gray at the Houston Press. And he's like, look, we have a show at Warehouse Live. We want you to go take photos of it, maybe write a little article about it. And that's like kind of like my, my first gig for them. And I'm a freelancer, so I could do, you know, so I went. The first show was June of 2009. It was the Bun B and Friends show. It was one of the first shows after Pimp C died. Mm. And that show changed my life. I, I took photos. I still look at those photos now. And I'm like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But I was there, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. I was able to get backstage. I met Bun. I met Slim Thug, uh, Devin the Dude, Paul Wall, Trey the Truth. And I was, I was, I was, telling, I was telling the story earlier that... Earlier that Drake was there, like he had just released his first mixtape, So Far Gone. Lupe Fiasco was there. Not a lot of people knew who he was, and they were like just hanging out because, um, because Bun was there, you know, and um, Bun had asked them to be there, and I was meeting these people and taking their photos and stuff, and I was like, man, I could do this every night of my life, and that's what sparked me my interest in photography and journalism. And uh, in 2009, I shot about 10 concerts or. 10 events for the Houston Press. In 2010, I did about 40. In 2011, I did somewhere about 50 or 60. And then it just kept getting better and better every day, every every year. And I left my day job in 2013 because I was, I only had, I had like two weeks or three weeks vacation. And I always had to kind of like, okay, I want to go to Coachella this year. I want to go to ACL this year. I want to go to South by Southwest. And I, there was just, so many things, and I was getting invites to go to all these places and go work. And your vacation days weren't yeah, exactly. It wasn't, <laughs> so I was like, you know what, I need to just do this, and I did. I, I left my left my day job in May of 2013, and I've been doing photography and journalism ever since. Further down the line, I started getting um, food photography gigs and, and other stuff, and then now a lot of stuff that I get is is as an influencer, which is what they call people who have like a you know a, a pretty good following in, in your city um that can provide content photos or videos or write or something written or something for an event or for a product um and that's kind of what i do now I, I i get gigs half of what i do is through the houston press or 
Houstonia Magazine, which is journalism stuff, mm-hmm. going to concerts or going to events, taking photos, submitting them, writing articles. Oh, and then the other half is working for brands like Red Bull, Bud Light, um, different brands that need coverage for events that they do. How does that work, working with different brands? I mean, do they reach out to you, you reach out to them? A little bit of both. It's a lot of networking. It's a lot of relationships that you've built out over the years. Um, It's a lot of word of mouth. Um, One of my friends told me that there's some sort of database that a lot of these advertising companies and marketing companies use that um, give scores to different um, social media uh, people. And supposedly I'm on that list in Houston where I have such and such following. My engagement is such and such. I get so many likes and so many whatever. It's crazy, right? Yeah, it's kind of, it's all analytical. Mm -hmm. And then they, so that kind of hits me on a radar. And then once they look into it, they're like, oh, you know, this guy seems pretty cool. You know, he has a lot of content. He looks like his uh, interactions are pretty great and he looks sincere. So let's see if he'll want to go to this event or let's pay him to to go to this um, concert or whatever. So it just depends. Uh, A lot of those are agency gigs. So there's an agency that's working for the brand um, that's in charge of providing the content. So either they'll pay me to take the photos as a recap or whatever of the event, or they'll pay me to post items on my social media, and that's it. Like I'm like, fuck, I can be paid to post two things on my Instagram and I'm, you're paying me you know a couple thousand dollars for something so simple but it yeah but it's like but to them it's worth it because it's they're getting it's, the eyes those eyeballs they're getting that market exactly it's not a paid actor yeah. it's not a somebody who's just not from Houston yeah, yeah. like I'm I rep Houston so hard and they want that inroads to what I can provide okay. and so. if they follow you from like the Houston press yeah. everywhere they've seen you around they've seen your work they'll Exactly. They'll pay attention to that too. And I mean, it's it's fun. I, I like what I do. I love what I do. I wouldn't really go back to working in the corporate world unless it was just something that paid extraordinarily amazing money. And even then, I think I'd even do that for a couple of years and then go back to what I was $5 doing. $5 million dollars a year. I mean, I have a price. <laughs> Give me a couple of tacos and we'll talk. <laughs> Um, I always enjoy seeing your pictures because it's like if if you miss something like he, you are, you're usually there. You can you post pictures which is like it's pretty dope. What is what it like the ones where you are like kind of like fuck, I'm actually here. You know what I mean? Have you ever felt like that? Uh yeah, I mean, a lot of the music festivals that I go to are pretty amazing because the whole concept of humans gathering in this big event to not to worship music but to like bathe in the glory of appreciate it yeah in of like music and camaraderie and having fun and you know that that really appeals to me it's a very tribal thing like it really goes back to you know i don't know cavemen or native american days where they would get together and dance and play music and have food or whatever so there's all these festivals, not just music festivals, but food fest. I've been travel. I've been paid to travel to food or taco festivals, and either just attend or, or actually judge, the food event. That's a fucking dream. Yeah. You know, that's amazing. But I I really like meeting people, talking to people, hearing their story, and you know, if my story, can inspire somebody. 
or if I can help somebody in any way, then um, that that's a plus, you know. If I can, if somebody listening today was like, man, you know, I can actually get paid to take photos and go to music festivals, like maybe I should get into this. By all means, go ahead. And if you want to, you know, a little advice or, you know, I get emails and text messages and direct messages on, on social media every day. And I try to respond as much as I can because to me, it's not a cutthroat industry. I mean, it is, but I don't want to be that way. I'm Which more it? of a, hey, if I can, if I have two, three minutes to respond to you and give you any sort of encouragement or advice, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be like, well, nobody told me what to do. Why the fuck am I going to tell you what to do? No, that's not that's not how I'm built. Which is uh, pretty uh, crazy because I remember when I, seen, when I reached out to you, honestly, I just... I just went to your social and I was like, okay, he has a contact information. Just let me reach out. When you reached out, I was like, damn, like that's badass. You get what I mean? Like, some people would probably not reach out back. Yeah. You get what I mean? They would be like, oh, okay, it's just another one trying to, you know. But it's amazing, you know, to see that there's still that you're still open to help others. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? And have that, you know, give others opportunity, basically. Or if it was advice, you would have probably given it to me, but I would have yeah. probably asked for some type of advice. Which yeah. Is I mean, like I said, it's it's not, and I think. It, it, it has to do with where we are in Houston. You know, if I was in New York or in L.A. or somewhere else, Miami, I'm sure the cost of living is so high there that you have to be cutthroat. You have to be like, I'm getting this fucking gig no matter what. Yeah. And here, it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not the right person for this gig. Let me see if, you know, my friend Freddie can do it. Or let me see if my friend Chewie can do it or somebody else. Because I know that maybe they're better at it. Or they're, or maybe I have already two gigs that day. Why am I going to get a third gig? Yeah. You know, let somebody else do it. I don't want my my art to suffer or my photos to suffer. Like, I'd rather have somebody else do it and do a good job than me do it and do a half-assed job. Because that's not, like I said, it's not how, how I'm built. So I saw one of your uh, writings on, you did on, you went to a concert with John Mayer, right? Yeah. And uh, I like how you, you did how, um, it was pretty dope, like, the way you wrote it. And how in some part you I forgot what you put but you put like somebody was fighting in the background. Yeah. I still wonder what happened or something like that. Use something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But I thought it was super dope, man, because I felt like right there. You get yeah. what I mean? Like the way you were writing it, basically. I have a question yeah, yeah, yeah. about that. Cause I, 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 is that like a because uh, I read the Houston Press a yeah. lot. Like, is that a Houston Press thing that they like gave you freedom to be yourself, or is that just what everybody brings to the table and everybody, or do they encourage stuff like that? Cause a lot of the writers on there do say uh, extra stuff, and it's always so. It adds more to it. Yeah. So they used to be more strict about it. At the the bottom tags is called personal bias, overheard in the crowd, and then um, I forget the other ones. There's like three or four yeah. like tags at the bottom. Yeah. And the thing the thing about the John Mayer show is I was leaving to Florida for a week, and I took that gig super last minute. It was on Sunday, and from the show, I went home, edited my photos, emailed them in, and then I I drove to Florida with my family. So I wrote that article on my phone on the way to Florida. It it was pretty tough, because usually I can be at home, sit down, write it, everything. So it was actually shorter than it could have been, and my editor was like, look, you know, it's kind of short, add the tags at the end, and then we should be good. So then later on, I went in and added those, and, and it actually helped. Um, a lot of times, they just give us a lot of leeway as long as we talk about, you know, I think it's like between four or 500 words. 
Sometimes it can go up to like 800 words. When you start getting to 800 and 1,000 words, that's more of a feature. Yeah. That's less of a blog post. Mm-hmm. And then a, a feature story, like a cover story, that's like two to 3,000 words or more. So it, it just depends. And there's different pay grades for, for that. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that show was pretty great. Um, I had a fun time shooting it. I, I'm, I started writing because sometimes the, um, the writers either... I don't know. I just feel like if I shoot it, I, I have a better way to write about it. Yeah, because I, you know I, why yeah. you took that picture. Yeah. You know the understanding of what you felt when you took that picture. And the other way, because sometimes they're, dark, they're writers, and then I take the photos, and I don't know what they're thinking, mm-hmm. so I don't know what photo to submit. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I submit a photo, and they're like, oh, it doesn't really fit with the article. Or sometimes I send them so many photos, like I'll send them 10 or 15, and they'll only use like two or three. So I have more control if I'm doing both. Not, and I, and it's fun. I mean, it's I'm I'm blessed to do that on a on a pretty uh, basis. Yeah, I don't think many people do both, right? Like, not a lot. Usually, it's a writer and then a photographer, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's separate. So, is there any uh, gigs in the future that you're looking, or any kind of dream gigs that you would want to have? I would like to go on tour with the major artists and do like a, either a national tour or a world tour where you're providing content for them on a daily basis. Um, you know, anyone in particular maybe you've thought about? Like you're like, yo, I, mean, I, was think Los Tigres so I know. <laughs> Actually, Los Tigres was one of my first gigs. Uh, you yeah. got to meet them? Yeah, I've, I've met them a couple <laughs> times, dude. <laughs> but they were one of my first gigs for the press, in November of oh. Of 2010, I think. Dude, I'll buy you tacos one every day. <laughs> Three, that's 365. <laughs> I'm aware. 365 tacos a day. If, if you take me to wherever <laughs> Los Tigres del Norte is and, and, and I get to meet them. They were they were here at uh, Escapade. Uh, yeah, they were here. I know. Did you go? Did you go? <laughs> no, no, I didn't go. People they're did they're supposed to have a, a documentary coming out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually got to meet their sons. Their sons do like a little uh, kind of like rap group. And I met them and interviewed them a couple years back in, in Austin. Um, I forget the name of their group, but uh, they didn't really make it, you know, so I, I haven't heard anything from them. But yeah, Los, I mean, I grew up listening to rancheras and cumbias and norteñas and boleros and stuff. I didn't listen to music in English until I think eighth or ninth grade, almost high school. Everything I listened to was what my parents listened to, was cumbias and boleros and Who was rancheras. your uh, first, do you remember your first artist you got into, English-wise? Yes. English was yes. So it was um, rap and hip hop. The first couple of songs that I remember really, really listening to was um, "This or That" by Black Sheep. Hmm. You could do with this. I you could do with that. That. Yeah. that I for some or reason the jazz chord of the for some reason that stuck in my head, and I'm like, this is a really cool song. The other one I distinctly remember at my eighth grade dance. I went to Burbank Middle School in Northside. Oh, that's cool like that. My bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's I all realize that right now. Wait a second. At my eighth grade dance, ninety-seven in the box was there, and they were giving away cassette singles. Back then, we had cassette singles, singles. of Warren G's regulators. regulators. You regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good too, but you can't be any geek off the street. Got to be handy with the steal if you know what I mean. Earn you keep. Regulators. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warren G was on the streets trying to consume some skirts for the E so I could get some phones rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC on a 
my mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a couple of girls, ain't no need to tweak. All of you search know what's up with 213. So I hooked select on 21 and Lewis. Some brothers shooting dice, so I said, let's do this. I jumped out the rock and said, what's up? Some brothers. Yeah. And it had the radio version, the explicit version, and then on the flip side, they had the instrumental version. I listened to that tape until it popped. Like, I love that fucking song. Even now, I listen to it. And I actually got to meet Warren G at South by Southwest this year, and he was really cool. Oh, that's dope. And man. they did a documentary called G Funk about him, and um, which was pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, that's those songs were like wow. And then my cousins lived in like Pasadena, and a couple of my cousins were like, you know, Cholo's uh, gang members. And they would listen to like Kid Frost, you know, SPM. Um, that kind of stuff and then they would introduce me to like Snoop Dogg like West Coast stuff Snoop yeah. Dogg Dr. Dre NWA so I kind of was listening to that sometimes because I couldn't have that at the house Yeah, that was too much for my mom for my parents I was like explicit you know I couldn't buy that you know I couldn't have it or whatever yeah. obviously this was before Napster and internet and Apple iTunes and stuff so a lot of music you either had to record sit there on the radio and push record yeah or you had to you know have the have the tapes or have the cds yeah so you said warned you was that that was your first tape regular yeah okay yeah you know that was so dope about tapes man like you said because they would have an instrumental yeah they'd have a remix on there uh-huh. they'd have the radio edit they have the explicit so then you got like a little mixture yeah. of, of everything it'd be 30 minutes same song, yeah. but it'd be different takes on a it. A couple of tapes that I used to listen to, because I had a, well, I had one of those like yellow Walkmans. Mm. My, I mm-hmm. think my mom saved up a bunch of money and got it for, for Christmas. I had the yellow Walkman with the headphones that had the bass boost. Mm. I thought I was the coolest shit in the fucking school. Like, <laughs> yeah, with the soft ears. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I, so Warren G Regulate, and then I remember for some reason somebody let me borrow a Red Hot Chili Peppers. Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Oh, nice. I listened to that forever. Um, and then when I I started working when I was 15, um, I, I worked at a bookstore, I worked at HEC, I did other stuff. Um, the first couple of CDs that I bought, one was a Tejano CD by this group called La Diferencia. Yeah. Which I love that music. I used to play the saxophone, so they had a saxophonist on, on that, uh, on that uh, group. So... I was very happy about that. And then the other CD was uh, Green Day, Dookie. Ah, nice. I listened to that shit pretty, pretty on the regular. So This is my boy. Uh, he just walked in, ladies and gentlemen, right. Kirby. Oh, what's up, man? Walking in on Marco. But you know what? I got to dap you up. At least that's a good tape to have in her first one. My first tape was the 69 boys Tootsie Roll. Hey. You know what I mean? Hey. Like, that was my first tape. I remember they had, like, you know, the girls on there yeah. and stuff like that. It was a black tape. It had this red lining around yeah. it. And I was just like, man, Well, I do remember some, like, my, like I said, my cousins, they would listen to Two Live Crew and stuff like that. So yeah. I got exposed to some of the more expensive stuff from my cousins in and Pasadena. Doggy Style. That was the first oh, one. I, I love took, Doggy I took, Style. I took, I took it from my brother. I took uh, Doggy Style. I yeah. had the tape on that one, too. And I would take it to school. I'm in, like, 10 years old listening to Doggy Style. I'm like, man, this is the dopest yeah. thing ever. I do remember. So that, those are my cousins in Pasadena. My cousins in Aldine, they were into, like, Motley Crue, Iron Maiden, um, Aerosmith, yeah. which was I don't way, I know, which was way different from what anything I listened to. 
and it was pretty cool. But then I would go into my cousin's room, and he had all the posters. Those Iron Maiden posters are pretty fucking scary. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. this, I forget what the guy's Skull the man. guy like with like brains coming out and shit. And you're saying no, they're not. No, they're well, not that bad. She's gone. So. <laughs> she's a beast. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so my family obviously introduced me to a well-rounded amount of stuff. But the most important person music-wise in my life was my high school band director, Ronald J. Cole. I went to school at uh, Jones High School, Jesse H. Jones Senior High, which is off of MLK mm-hmm. and 610 mm-hmm. in the hood. Yes, sir. The hood hood. Oh, yeah. Not the, not the TV no, hood. It's the hood hood. And I'm from the north side, so, I mean, I've, I've dealt with my own experience. experience in the Latino Mexican world. This is the hood. And I went to school there, and I learned a lot about life. Because I went to school there, and I will not change that experience for the world. This was back in 94 through 98, at the height of the DJ Screw era. Mm. I remember going, I, I had, you know, I started driving my car when I was like in 10th or 11th grade, and they would let us out to go to lunch. Like, we'd go to Timmy Chan's or Burger King or wherever around the, around the area. And this kid was like, hey man, you're going to lunch? I was like, yeah. He was a freshman, and I was a, either a sophomore or junior. He's like, yeah, you going to lunch? He's like, yeah. He goes, well, let me let me go with you, and I'll buy your what? I'll buy your Whopper. You're or like whatever. hell yeah! He's like, come on, let's do it. <laughs> so so his his family, his mom and dad had a had a, a shop at the King's King's Flea Market. Yeah. Which is right okay. There on yeah, yeah, yeah. And they sold a bunch of stuff. They sold clothes. They sold, you know, uh, I don't know, radio stuff. You know, all kinds of stuff. Still popping out there. But they no, also it's gone. It's gone. Oh, I it's thought, gone. But they moved it. Oh, yeah, they yeah. moved it. I was going to say, because it's not too far from Makawa. It's yeah. smaller, though. Yeah. Well, they also sold tapes. And the kid put in a screw tape. It's the first time I ever heard it. The first song I ever heard was a UGK um, Pocket Full of Stones, Screwed and Chopped. What the fuck is something's wrong? Something's wrong. Something's wrong with your tape, dude. What the fuck's going on? I told no, no, you, no. man. I told you. He's like, no. This is the way yeah. he mixed it. Like, listen to it. Because as a matter of fact, you can keep this tape. I have another copy of it. I must have listened to that tape to fucking broke my CD. My my, you know, till it was it didn't work anymore. And it had a bunch of just like DJ Screw, you know, just mixes on there. And I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Like, I don't really get it. <laughs> but it sounds interesting and it's kind of chill, so I listened to it and that and I listened to that's when I started listening to DJ Screw, SPM, Little Flip, um, Little Kiki, you know all that all that stuff. South Park, you know everybody in South Park that I listened to because I went to school there, so the, the music was in the hallways on people's Walkmans or whatever. But my band director at the school at Jones High School is uh, Ronald Cole. I was playing the saxophone back then. He's the one who taught me. He was like, "Okay, you know that Snoop Dogg song you're listening to? You know that uh, Dr. Dre song? Let me let me play something for you." And he would play the the old school stuff, like yeah. Isaac Hayes and the Jays Brown and the um, all the sam- the samples. Yeah. yeah. I was like, "How do you know that song?" And he goes, "Marco, that's like from the '60s to '70s, you know." So he explained to me how samples worked and how okay, artists yeah. and producers would take. So I learned my hip hop education came from my band director. That's dope. That is dope. Is still around? He 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 retired. I saw him a couple years ago because he still plays yeah. uh, 
keyboards and stuff, piano, because he taught me, not, not only did he teach me hip-hop, a 40, 50-year-old man teaching me hip-hop, which was amazing, but he was a great keyboardist. He knew his music. He graduated from TSU. He taught me jazz. He taught me funk. He taught me soul. Um, you know, he taught me about the, you know, Michael Jackson and Prince and James Brown and Isaac Hayes. I mean, within those four years that I was at that school, I learned so much about so many genres of music and appreciating and playing. We would play like Earth, Wind and Fire September nice. in the band, nice. on the field. You know, we would play George Benson. We'd play um, Take Five by Dave Brubeck. You know, we would play all kinds of music from one side of the spectrum to another. And I, I don't think I can ever repay him for him teaching me that. That's badass, man. Yeah. When you so. actually get a teacher like that that actually took the time to yeah. show you all this stuff, shit, it's well yeah, appreciated. Some of these other high schools, they play like, you know, Fly the Bumblebee and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, but that's pretty dope that you got a, a lesson in, you know, like you said, with yeah. G-Funk. Did you yeah. do yeah. a drum line? Did the, you do a drum line? I did do a drum line. You saw that right there? You saw that? Drum line was based on my story. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That I like Drumline just because it did represent a lot of uh, those black colleges. Cause for, I yeah. mean, for me, we'd watch the games and yeah. stuff all the time. But we were like, yo, halftime is yeah, when it goes sure. down. Because games was, was like, whatever. Yeah. But when halftime came up, all of a sudden, you know, you were jamming out because they're playing. Well, we were that type a of band. Of we were a, a show band, a black show band. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a little Mexican kid trying to Were you like the that. standout one? That was like, when I know, was a freshman, it was I was one of five non-black people on in the band and the there, there must have been like 10 saxophone people the main guy from the saxophones kept me after the first game he knew i didn't know what the fuck i was doing he <laughs> he kept me inside the band room when everybody else went out to the field and he he taught me how to do the dances he taught me to loosen up he taught me to really Got show out races. he's like it's gonna feel weird it's gonna <laughs> you're gonna look like you're going crazy and being stupid but you need you need to show out so he taught me how to show out and yeah, yeah. move my hips and goes, you know, you just got to do it. To, you don't know how to dance cumbias at the I time? do, but it was, it's, <laughs> such, it's such a different... I learned how to dance cumbias and salsa and merengue when I was uh, about 13, 14, 15 because my, my cousins were turning 14, 15, so we were in a lot of quinceañeras. But dancing tejano and oh, merengue yeah. and cumbias is way different. From shaking your ass on the floor, yeah, or, yeah or, get or into the it. Club. Like, yeah, so, it, you know, it, I mean, I give a lot of credit to to him, to to Omar, my homie Omar, because he taught me. You know, he was like, I'm not gonna give up on you. He was a section leader, so that was his job. He was like, look, you, 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 we're only as good as our, our weakest link. You're our weakest link right now, but I'm gonna teach you. So you were Mr. Miles. Yeah, I now was. Mr. Miles was good, right? <laughs> <laughs> You see, I, I like that movie. I know, right? That is like Nick Cannon as as an yeah. actor. Like, I don't know, but well, that was like his. I mean, that was an okay movie, though. You know, yeah. he did all right, and you know what I'm saying. When he starts going crazy under, I'm bad. I, I just like going down to Jones when he start getting into it. Da, 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 da. He's like getting his chest into it. And Mr. Stuff. Miles sweating. You getting hardcore into These it, man. I'm talking about movies they love. <laughs> I love movies. We're actually thinking about starting a podcast. <laughs> about movies we love. Well, when I was a, but when I when I was a senior, um, my band director asked me to be a drum major for the band, and they, he sent me to TSU to train as a drum major for the summer. Oh, nice. Okay. That summer was like hell. It was one of the hottest summers. We would. We'd be there almost all day. 
I must have, over the two or three weeks we were there, I must have lost like 15 pounds because we would be marching on the field, running, you know, learning instruments, everything. There was about seven drum major candidates from around the, the Houston area, from Willowbrook, from Jones, from Casimir, from Booker T. Was there anybody over. from Austin? No. No. <laughs> no, Austin. Yates? I think Yates, yeah. Milby? Yates. Milby. No, Milby. It was like Yates, Cashmere, Waltrip. Not Waltrip. Uh, oh, I forgot the other school. It was about seven or eight of us, and I was the one from, from Jones. And I actually won a trophy that they gave me at the end of the camp, which was the best drum major candidate. Because I was the one that, I guess, was a standout. I, they're the ones who they expected the least from but i gave them the most man that's still one of my proudest moments like fuck my other de- my degrees and <laughs> my every journalism yeah, career yeah. i got a fucking trophy from tsu for being the best drum major. i will say this though man like i i've never had the opportunity to say this but i played football in high school right but yeah. one thing i will say is that we had a badass band right but um where'd you go austin oh yeah. but times did change yeah so the austin was on their stuff in the band but I will say this, man. They would practice literally. Like, when we were having two-a-days, they were out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, And I don't think a lot of credit credit is given by only that those have experienced band. Yeah. You know? But I would see them out there. Like, they were out there. You're going to get the same times we were out there and practicing and shit. And I'm like... But just like as football players, you you know, you're practicing. But then you, when you put on your pads and your uniform, that's an extra whatever, 10, yeah. 15 pounds. As a exactly. drum, as a band guy, you have your whole suit and yeah. your instrument, and and your marching and boots, not even sneakers. A shout out to the tuba players. Oh and stuff man, like that. Yeah, carry So <laughs> when I went back as a senior at Jones and I was a drum major, I experienced some discrimination and racism because people saw this Mexican kid up there and they're like, you know what, I'm not gonna be in this band anymore because how's this Mexican dude gonna be our leader? He can't do it. And I was like, man. And my band director, you know, he was like, if y'all want to go, y'all go. I'm not going to beg y'all to be here. He's the best person for this job. And he's going to stay. He's here to stay. If y'all want to leave, leave. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was like, wow. I was kind of, I was kind of offended by those people. But then at the end, I'm like, fuck them. Let them go. You know, my band director, trust me. I, I didn't, I wasn't given this position. I actually earned this position. So, I did the best I could, and it was it was one of the greatest things I've ever done. That's kind of weird, right? When when other minorities yeah. kind of get on you for that yeah. stuff, because I mean, vice versa. Just like I said, from being from El Paso, it was kind of weird when yeah. I was insulted by um, like Mexicans at one point. Because I was just like, yeah. it's weird. I was like, we're the same struggle. It sucks, man. Like, why are you pushing me down? We're yeah. supposed to be together. Yeah. So I mean, and just like you said, vice versa. You know, yeah, black folks going. Hey, well, why is he in here? It's kind of weird. Like, yo, we're like, same struggle. Like, man. like let's, what's the let's deal? do a good job together. Like, why, why are you, you know, hating on me? Yeah. I'm not trying to do anything bad to you. I'm just trying to help everybody. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, high school was pretty cool for me in, in that respect. So, that's pretty dope, man. I mean, just like you said, um, a lot of good experiences. You know, you got exposure to music. In yeah. general, you say uh, on the English side of things, right? So, going out of high school, I mean, was there any other different genres of music you kind of got into at one point that you never expected you'd be into? Or, I mean, I think I guess later on is when I started. I, I was always a fan of Carlos Santana. 
from the oh that's another one of those tapes that I had in my Walkman. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my uncles let me borrow uh, Santana's greatest hits, and I listened to that so much. So then later on, and uh, I started listening to more Latino music, Afro-Cuban stuff, a lot mm. of salsa, a lot of merengue, um, and then I started getting into the more reggaeton stuff. So it's it's always kind of been like, okay, what's next? What am I listening to now? What can I? What do I like? What do I don't like? Um, I mean, even like even people that hate on Pitbull. They probably haven't listened to the original Pitbull uh, albums. Those shits were raw. They were great. He's a great lyricist. Yeah. And I don't hate on him because he's quote unquote commercialized now and you know has a, has all these you know uh, promotions that he does, and his music sounds very you know commercial. He's still a cool. I, I actually worked his, uh, worked backstage at the show when he was here a couple months ago at the Toyota Center. It was Pitbull and Enrique Iglesias, and I got to. Um, work for the opener, take her photos, do some videos, meet meet Enrique Iglesias and Pitbull, and they were super nice, super cool people. I yeah. mean, very like they're on top of their game. Their music is pretty dope. Just like how people are hating on Despacito, I think they're hating on it because it's like it's it's the cool thing to do to hate on that song. I like the song. I've liked it from the very beginning before Justin Bieber, and I still like it now. Now, I mean, you have a fucking choice to turn off the radio if you don't want to hear it, or go get a drink if you're at the club and, and if it's on, you're like, fuck it, I'm, I'm gonna or take a break. Or buy a fucking ox cord and or play whatever. your fucking phone. Yeah. yeah, whatever. It's probably the sellout mentality that people think, right? As soon as something gets big, yeah. they're like, oh, okay, well, they sold out or whatever. Because you know what? That's the one thing I always dabble about Pitbull, where I'll say, hey, I don't mess with his music like that. Yeah. But I'm impressed with him because I always thought he'd be burned out already yeah. and i'm just like damn this fool's been doing his thing for a grip man and like you said he's you know he calls himself you know mr worldwide he's but evolved. hell man he's you know he's doing his thing and he's doing it beyond just one scope so even him and you know from a, a baby bootleg version of pitbull i call it would be flow rider yeah but those guys they're doing their thing and they're they looked at themselves and said hey you know what i could stay in this lane or yeah. I can go international with it. I can go out this yeah, way. Yeah, no one has and to And I got to adapt him up for that. Exactly, exactly. Like Pitbull, you know, you've always noticed that dude's always dressed fly, dude. Yeah. I cannot mm-hmm. knock that dude. Okay. Yeah. That dude is like always, like, he'll show up to like Boys in the Barrio you know, <laughs> with like a tux. With a fucking Straight tux. suit, yeah. no with, tie, open butt, you know With what I mean? 10 dancers and shit. Yeah, like, you, you, people, you know, we're yeah. just going to chill with you, not, not play it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like Flo Rider. I saw him a couple times last year, and I was like, man, I was very impressed with his show. A lot of people, a lot of artists, you know, and I say this as a music journalist, they can sound good on, on a record or on online, but when you get in front of a, a crowd, it's hard to... You, I don't think you can really teach stage presence yeah. or character. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to have it. And some people can't translate the way they are or the good stuff they are on a record to a live show. You need a special person to do both. Yeah. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And man, some of these, like Pitbull and Florida and all these people, they fucking have a stage presence. They're yeah. they're showmen. They they know how to, I don't know, pump up the crowd and make everything look cool and sound cool. Curious question. Uh, I'm going a little back right here, but it was a question I was supposed to ask a little bit ago. Um, which side do you enjoy more, the journalist side or the picture side? The picture side. Um, but I'm not a very technical photographer. A lot of my stuff is very documentary, very um, in the moment, 
capturing emotions. So my style is more of a journalistic style, photography-wise. I do like asking people's stories and listening to people about their their backgrounds and their struggles and their future and stuff like that. I love that part of journalism. Um, It's hard to also talk to people like maybe in a in a very critical way like if you don't and this is just me if i don't like something i'm not gonna write about it you know because that's just who i am some people they'll write about it and that's your job and that's fine if they're being critical but they have good points behind it then i think that that's part of the game but personally me i see myself as a photographer first and a writer second do you ever see yourself going onto the journalist side? Like you said earlier, if them tacos and that offer come and you're writing, if somebody likes it, would you go all the way writing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But the tacos have to be there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's got to be the tacos, though. Let's negotiate. I mean, I th- I've, I've been offered by LA Weekly to go out there. I've worked for LA Weekly because LA Weekly is the same. As Houston Press. Co- uh, the same. Uh, Umbrella, umbrella as Houston Press, Miami New Times, Dallas Observer. There's like 11 different um, papers, alternative news weeklies around the country that are the same parent company. It's called Voice Media Group. It used to be called Village Voice Media. Now it's called Voice Media Group. So I've worked for LA Weekly. I've done Coachella for them. I've done EDC for them a couple times. I've um, done... So you've done EDC? You've gone to them yeah. here? And that's one. That's another thing. I'm not a huge EDM fan at all. I'm not an EDM fan, but I like going to EDC EDM concerts because the people are so cool. They look cool, not cool in a in a oh that guy's fly, but like they're themselves. Yeah. They're dressed. They're cool because they're being themselves and they're just trying to enjoy them too. They're not. I think maybe the better anybody. word is interesting. They're interesting yeah. to look at. They're interesting to talk to. They're fun. They're, sure they want well. you to take their picture. Yeah. They're not like, oh, I don't want to take a picture. <laughs> you know? They're not being... I'm they're like not Kirby over there saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's all into that. Yeah, yeah, he's all into that. They're not cool in that sense. They're not too cool. <laughs> yeah. They're because there's that too cool level oh, yeah. where it's yeah. like, I'm too cool. You can't even take a picture. They're not trying to be like that mainstream type of cool. Yeah. They're just more like, hey, I'm, I'm me and this yeah. is it. That's why I like EDM festivals. But I like all festivals, really. So, I don't know. What's your favorite? I would say Austin City Limits. Yeah. Austin City Limits uh, over the years has yeah. been, well, and South by Southwest. They're two definitely different monsters, but they each have their own kind of character. And I love the hustle because at South by, I am going to showcase after showcase after party after party after event after day party. I mean, I'm all over the place. Can you shit? Maybe. Damn, it sounds like you ain't got no "Hmm." time, man. (laughs) No time to shit right now. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh. No, because you're right. There's so much going on. So many people having concerts. So many people having, you know, this and that. And now they expanded to where the technology is starting to get a lot bigger. So um, even last year, they had like ESPN and, and a bunch of different folks going out there to drop knowledge on all kinds of stuff, man. So. Not just the music festival, not even just the, the music part, or the, I'm sorry, the movie part. Yeah. But now the tech part is really interactive. Interactive is big right now. Actually, the parties, the um, ending, uh, 
ending parties or what do they call them the closing parties for interactive are actually kind of better than the music um section of the of the festival of sapa southwest those parties for interactive because they because those companies have a lot of money mm -hmm. they'll they'll bring in snoop dogg and you know jay-z and all kinds of people for interactive and by the time the people from music get there they're like what we missed we missed jay-z and yeah yeah, yeah kanye yeah. what yeah, because well, I remember when they, when it was happening on YouTube, they were uploading them like right away. Yeah. Even live, they were doing them. Yeah. Some, some of them. Yeah. Well, now you have all the live streaming stuff. Yeah. And Snapchat and Instagram and everything like that. So. Oh yeah. What's your favorite photo that you've taken? Um. One of the, well, definitely. My favorite artists are Carlos Santana and Jay Z. So the photos that I've taken of both of them have been pretty special to me. Um, especially this was in 20 let's see I left my day job in 2013 I think this was like 2014 where I was doing pretty well and then about the middle mid-summer I started going into like a slump I was like I wasn't really liking the photos that I was taking I was having a hard time getting a lot of gigs I was kind of like man maybe I made a mistake maybe I should go back to the corporate world and that, that went on from like July until October 1st. October 1st, Carlos Santana came and he had a show at Revention, at Revention Music Center, which is the old Verizon Wireless. Yeah. And I was writing the article and taking the photos. Man, that show really invigorated me again. Like the photos that I got were just, um, just I was super even surprised myself from what I captured. The show itself was pretty great. I've, I've seen Santana all across the country about 20 times since about 1999. And that show, for some reason, hit a chord with me that I was like, I was almost lost in, in the music to the point where I was like, wow. And it invigorated me. And the rest of that year, getting amazing gigs, going to really amazing shows, writing really cool reviews, taking some really cool photos. Like, it just, like, catapulted me. And I and I wrote that. I've been writing that wave ever since for the last couple of years. And, so let me ask you, for uh, a person who's listening, who's doing something in the city, I'm trying to build something for themselves. Yeah. Um, you do go through slumps. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Um, I get people that, that tell me that. And they're like, man, I think I'm just going to sell my camera equipment and go back to working at Whole Foods or whatever they were doing earlier. I'm like man I go I go I mean if you feel that way maybe maybe obviously if you need the money if you need to support your family do it you know you need you need to take care of your responsibilities you first, yeah. yeah but you know maybe if you have two cameras sell one of them keep one of them keep one camera and one lens don't give up on yourself because if you've if you've been in the game for a while and you've had some success it means that you're you have something behind it you know, just because you're going either through a personal slump or through a professional slump doesn't mean you're always going to be there. You can you can come out of it. And I tell them, we everybody goes through that. I've been through that. And it's just natural. As a creative person, you're going to go through, through ups and downs. And it's not always going to be easy. My life, my lifestyle is not easy as far as, you know, I'm making a quarter of what I was making when I was working in the corporate world, if that, you know, I the only thing I miss from the corporate world though is the money. I don't miss anything else. 
And the only reason I miss the money is because I can use that money to travel and to buy more equipment. You know, I'm not looking at the money to live in a nice place, to buy a nice car, to buy nice clothes, nothing like that. I want it because I want to turn it into experiences. I'm, I'm a little bit older than I think people think that I am. I was born in 1980. I'm, I'll be 37 this year. Well, you said 94 to 98. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, my, yeah. my older brother. That was literally yeah. the same time. Yeah. Same a time. lot of the, a lot of my competition are 21 to 27, I think. Mm-hmm. And so there is competition even in the photography world? Oh, there's comp- competition for sure. Jeez. For sure. Always. Now, luckily in Houston and in Austin, we have a good community. And it's, like I said before, it's not a cutthroat community. And I think that has to do with the cost of living in Texas, where we can live off of two or three or four really good gigs a month. Whereas if we were living in New York or L.A., we need four or five really good gigs a week to survive, just to pay rent. I mean, the rent here is not that much. Yeah. The cost of living here is not that much. Oh, Especially compared to L.A. Yeah. LA, is, LA like, is off the fucking... And New York. Yeah. I so, imagine. Like, I, I, we even talk about how rappers, like um, Slim and Bun and everybody, they can do two or three, four shows a month and be good. They don't even need to release any new music. Because if they're getting paid... Say they're getting paid $10,000 a show. They do three or four shows a, a month, that's $40,000. You can live off of forty thousand dollars. I can live off forty thousand dollars for year. the whole year. Shit, that's <laughs> a month. Play a, a year. Just yeah, spend 40, There was one year I think I lived off of twenty thousand dollars, but that's just that's a lot of sacrifice. Yeah, that's a lot of sacrifice. That's a lot of. Hey, vamos a salir ahora, vamos. No, no That's a lot of dollar tacos. Just that. I was gonna say, yo, shout back at the house. Shout yeah. out ramen noodles. Yeah, that's a lot <laughs> of dollar ramen. tacos. You know, there's a lot of banh mi's. You know. Uh, you know, if for a while it was like um, the only time I really ate really good was when somebody else paid for it. Like, hey, uh, somebody with an expense account, basically. Yeah. It's like, hey, let's go eat. Uh, it's on my it's on my expense account. Fuck it, let's go. So I would eat. I would still eat good, but I wasn't paying for it. Yeah. Or I was like, hey, let's go out to drink. Let's go get some drinks. I was like, oh, I'm kind of chilling tonight. He's like, no, don't worry about it. I'll pay. I'll pay for it. <laughs> or because of how long I've yeah, been working yeah. in the in the scene, I know a lot of. Wait, uh, waitresses and waiters and bouncers and bartenders so if I go somewhere they'll hook me up and I'll just give them I'll just slip them a 20 as a tip you know because I also don't want to leave them yeah. with nothing yeah, yeah, yeah you don't want to be a, you jerk, about, be a it, jerk right? about it yeah. I mean but they're you're broke but you're not that broke <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're asking me because they want to my company because we're friends or whatever like hey you know it's a slow night you want to come hang out like sure if I, if I don't have a gig or if I'm not busy I'm going to go support Support local, you know, support yeah, your local no people. Where so. do you feel a uh, Houston scene is at, everything-wise? Music, art, everything. Where, where do you feel it's at right now? I mean, just like everything, there's always ups and downs. Um, a lot of people say that as far as music, the last huge surge was back in 05, back with the Mike Jones still tipping. Who? Slim. I know. Shout out to you getting it real quick. You're like, yeah. Well, I just I was supposed to see Mike Jones at a Sa- show on Saturday? Saturday, and we waited 45 minutes. He didn't come out, so we I left. Uh, <laughs> but I was there to support T2, the Ghetto Hippie, Doman, and then the openers. Did were Mike Mark Jones Drew. just not show up? 
was, he was there, but they hadn't paid him yet, so he wouldn't get out of his car until he had all the money. Damn. And he he was the show was supposed to be over at midnight. I left like at eleven forty five after waiting for forty five minutes since eleven o'clock. He must have shown up like five minutes after I left. Play and they said that he played his hits at the beginning and then he played his new stuff and people just started leaving. So. Well. But yeah, but back then, you know, Mike Jones, Slim Thug, Paul Wall, everybody yeah. was, was. I see what you did there back then. Okay. I see what we're doing today. But you know what? He, he, he nailed it right there too, because that was around. Well, at least for me, I remember '03. I remember seeing the Houston scene kind of spill into mainstream because I was still yeah. obviously in El Paso, but I remember still tipping come out, and that was a real big deal. And I remember hearing about Mike Jones, yeah. and he was going to be a real big deal. They're like, yo, this unique dude signed? out here, this unique yeah. cat. He's going to be doing his thing. Even before that, um, Slim Thug Flip. came out. Well, Lil Flip, too, with Game well, Over. Yeah, Lil Flip, Flip with Game Over, because I was like my shit yeah. for and one Sunshine. point. And yeah. then, uh, and I'm not sure. No, no, that was, I mean, it was a hit. It was a hit. It wasn't a hit. It wasn't my cup of tea, but it was a hit. I think to Atlantic, Mike Jones got signed to Universal. And even before with Slim Thug, with Pharrell, with with Neptunes. I mean, right? Yeah, or Star Trek. I'm sorry, Star Trek, Star Trek. But I mean, Chameleon. Well, yeah, a little exactly. And you're absolutely right. Chameleon. You know, Chameleon still makes money off. And of course, Paul. Man, that's crazy. You know, Chameleon is a millionaire. Yes, and people. But he he did like a. Uh, venture capital investments in startups, right? In startups, and he still makes money off of that shit. Yeah, because I remember like, they were bashing on him because he showed up to a game. No, yeah, he was at the finals. He was at the finals. Yeah, yeah. They were like, well, "How does he there?" Like, because yeah, he's know. a fucking but multi-millionaire. He's been doing that since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been smart. But I mean, I've worked with Paul Wall and Bun B and Slim Thug and everybody, and they're all cool people. You know, they have their families. They're still doing their shit. You know, Slim still has albums coming out. Paul Wall has albums coming out, so they're doing their things. They're they're creating their brands. They're putting on for the city, you know, helping other people out, and it's, and they're just living their life as as the best that they can. And one thing I like about them is they have um, other businesses they've yeah. ventured into. Oh, right? I've I've with taken photos Thug, for He has his uh, was it? What's the business where he helps? Boss, he gets contracts, right? What's boss Life Construction. Boss Life Construction. I've taken exactly. photos for Boss Life. I think the one that has done like a lot and like ventured stuff. into different things is Slim Thug. Slim Thug yeah. I just ventured into like. Different little, you know, yeah. things, construction Real estate, and all other that. stuff. Yeah, he's, he's pretty... Of course, besides Chameleon, which is the yeah. biggest yeah, one. Yeah, no doubt. He... Slim actually has no, a foundation now. But Chameleon is like in the back, like, low-key. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still investing. You yeah. What is that on your, on your hat? Okay. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. I like that. Sorry. <laughs> What's the front of the hat? Uh, born and raised. Oh, cool. Well, I got a... I got a I'm a big hat guy. Yeah. Yeah. I have, like, about 100... Hats. I used to wear all fitted hats, new eras, and now ever since snapbacks have been the rage, I go to snapback snapbacks. I'm not really a dad hat kind of guy. No, no, yeah. I have Dude, like one. Your hat has hat. to go with it. If your head's too big, <laughs> if the head's too big, you can't. My head's too big. I can't do it. Hey, look, I'm ashamed because I got one hat finally. I bought it after like almost a decade, uh, and all it's a fitted. Yeah. You know, so it's Detroit Tigers. Yeah. My man right here is like, oh, hey, what's up, man? 2005's up in the building right now. I'm like, hey, look, bro. Like, I, I like the hat. I don't know. You know, so I was like, I guess I need to get a snap eventually nah. to catch up with these young Thundercats. Well, this hat, this hat has a HOU on the front and uh, like old English letters. This is actually done by a local photographer, videographer named Georgie, mm-hmm. uh, Georgie Films. Yeah, with uh, Slim Thug. Yeah, he's and, uh, done stuff for Slim and Ellie Dollar Sign. Oh, nice, nice. And he's done stuff. some stuff for yeah. Paul Wall too. So this is a Paul Wall, Georgie collaboration. It has a, a gold grill on the side. 
on the back it says people's feelings get hurt <laughs> which is part of yeah. uh, Paul's uh, lyrics yeah. so I like to rep you know stuff locally as much as I can as far as uh, Boss Life and Georgie and uh, all the other people that, that are doing things. So like, when you said that, when you said people's feeling get hurt, I, I think about the video. Yeah, I, I remember yeah, the parts when people's feeling get yeah, hurt. When they <laughs> find they out, what, out I'm what I'm worth. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes to like the last uh, minute and 35 seconds of like pure so booty slipping. shaking. His <laughs> 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 Wasn't a Chapu from, from New Orleans yeah. or whatever? Man, I remember watching that on Uncut. And I was just My face was just going up and down. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to do. I was like, that's so much ass. It was just overdose on there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, Speaking of, when I walked in here, y'all y'all were listening to some Bun B stuff. Yeah. And then we were talking about International Players Anthem. Yeah. yeah. That song will forever be one of my favorite songs of all mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Has to be. Man. Forever. Love that song. For, anyway. I just thought I had to. No, 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 no. You know, I always said that. I always said that every time we talking about still tipping, I have to say about the girl that comes out in front of DJ Michael Watts. Dude, dude, what she's like, she just shaking. I was a young boy at the time. A lot of things happened. All right, that's all I gotta say. He grew chest hair and everything that day. He's like, what is this so much? That, that was a lot of. That was a lot for me. Yeah, well, I know that for the director, like, uh, I know him for. Well, is it Mr. Dr. Dr. T? Dr. T? Dr. T? Yeah. yeah, he said that she was like. That she was lesbian and that she was just on set and they were just she was just Aww. down or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. She was just like like yeah, like she was like, Oh, and it took me a long time to realize Slim Thug was getting a head third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, for real, right? Like I watched yeah. it again, then she came up and she did this, I was like, <laughs> wiped her mouth, I was like, Oh like, he asked for it just to like I don't know, bro. Like, man, that shit just wild. He's like Yeah. He's like the, I mean That was it the made the video, he's like it made like with the uncut version. Did y'all watch BET Uncut? Yeah. Yeah, so that was like one of those where I was just like, okay, well, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> you know, because then I would see random other videos on there. There was like eight or nine songs I knew because I used to watch too much Uncut. Uh, shout out Hormones. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was one of them. Even like uh, a Nelly song, Tip Drill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bro, Classic. Tip Drill was like that, four minutes, four and a half minutes. I actually like the other one, the... Um, shake a Tell. What is it? Shake a Tell brother? Yeah, Shake a Tell. Yeah, well, like he did it. Dr- well, no, no, on the no, back drop too. down, eagle, drop down. Oh, like, eagle, eagle okay, girl. okay, yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. That video was pretty dope. No, yeah. my favorite one was the ludicrous, um, uh, pussy, pussy poppin'. Oh, the same pussy like, poppin'. That was in a straight up strip club. On the handstand. Like the American bandstand. Summer sauce. Cot wheel, bitch. That beat is so cool to me. That's a cool beat. My favorite video was White Girls. It was, it sampled an old, um. Wait, by who? Uh. It was I can't remember the nigga's name. He's just light skinned. He had like a um, a gap in the middle of his teeth, and then he had like real nappy hair. Like I got nappy hair right now, and he had like super nappy, right? Huh. And he oh, sampled um, Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five's uh, White Lines, yeah. but he called it White Girls. And then all he did was he just had a white bunch girls. of white girls. That's hilarious. And then he did the Slim Thug thing. He had a girl like doming him up, yeah, and girl. he was just like trying to rap over it. And I was like, this song's incredibly. Insane. I don't know. It's like this is fucking. This is nuts. It's sexy as hell, by the way. But I, I couldn't help but laugh. It was just stupid. It was funny though. Classic man. I have one more question I wanted to ask you, man. Um, if you were to give any advice to any up and coming photographer, journalist, uh-huh. what would you give them? What would you tell them? Photographers, I, I would just tell them to keep shooting. A lot of times, you know, they're waiting on a big event or a big show or a, something amazing to happen. But I tell people there's amazing shit happening every day in your neighborhood, across the street from where you live or where you work. Or, or I tell them that whenever I was like driving around the city, 
if I would see something, I would stop and take a photo of it. Something interesting. Because a lot of times people say, oh, they make a note of it. Oh, I'm going to come back and take photos of that. You're not going to come back. Like, listen to the little voice in your head. And if that little voice is saying, hey, maybe you should take a few minutes to go take a photo of this. Fucking do it. Or, like, like say I'm walking down the street. It could be here in Houston. It could be in L.A., wherever. And I see somebody that looks interesting, like I said. Maybe go talk to them. Like, maybe not um, in a malicious way, like, if it's a female, like, oh, hey, baby, what's what's going on? No, like, like just be cool with people. and Hey, how's it going? My name is Marco. I'm a photographer. I just really like your look, and I, I want to know if I, take your, if I can take your portrait. The worst they can say is no. I'm at, a firm believer in them. At, yeah. at best, you're going to get an amazing photo out of it. I live and by maybe that. A, maybe a great story and maybe a fucking friend. So I always say, like, and I have I have trouble with this because I think a lot of people I I don't tell a lot of people this. I get very I get anxiety and I get very anxious asking people to asking to take photos of people, which is kind of weird because I'm I've been taking photos of people for my whole professional career. But if even if I'm paid to be somewhere and I'm the official photographer, I still it still takes me. That like a minute to get jump started, like I, I was like oh, I need I need a I need to start taking photos, but I, like I'll go talk to some I'll go try to get somebody's photo and I'll I do one of those ah. <laughs> and w- walk around the bar or something. To me, it's kind of I could relate to that because kind of when we do live, like we're somewhere, mm-hmm. I always feel like that. I feel like super nervous. I'm yeah. like shit, fuck, what, bah, and then. I'm like I need that first person. Yeah. That first person. After that first, I'm like, okay, it's, it, it, let's get the ball rolling. Yeah, right? exactly. But, man, it's weird though. I, I can relate. To After that. I take those first couple of photos, it's like, okay, now I'm in my element. I can, I can do my job. But man, I I tell people all the time, listen to that little voice in your head, listen to your instincts, and keep shooting. Like like even when you're talking about when we're talking about being in a rut, it's gonna happen. You know, that's life. Life is not always ups there's some downs and there's some middles and middles mids <laughs> how many beers have i had <laughs> but um i think that's the most important thing we're just keep motiv- stay motivated you know it's hard you know life is hard i have one more question yeah. before i forget it because i had earlier okay. okay don't forget it I don't, don't, um, <laughs> don't forget okay do you have uh so how does the the writing process work do you write it and somebody else edits it which is the editor right yeah. But when you have a person like me who um, not best with words, I create words at times. How does that work? Does somebody edit them, or how does that happen? So this is the way I approach Jerk. a review of a concert. I will go to the show, take my photos, and get the best photos that I can. Once I get back to my seat, or once I have a chance to actually see the rest of the show, I'll take notes on my phone or on a notepad of what I'm seeing, things that they said, maybe the set list, a song that they, you know, or an important song that they played or something that they did, like maybe they changed the guitar at a certain time or, you know, maybe uh, something. Whatever they're doing, I just take notes. I'm very observant and of what they're doing, what other people are doing, what the rest of the band is doing or what the DJ is doing. I just take notes. And then when I get home, I'll ha- I have my photos on one side. I edit all my photos first, and I select the best ones, say the best five or ten that I'm going to use. And then I look at all my notes. 
and I, I kind of draw a line between the photo and the notes that I was taking, and then that's where I kind of start formulating my review, my article. So I pick the, it's called the, the, the lead photo or the, like the hero photo is the first photo that comes up. I select which one is my favorite photo from the whole thing, and I put that first in the article. And then I start doing my opening, which is, you know, usually you have to start with like an ant anecdote or a quote or something interesting to open up, to get people hooked into reading Correct, it. Correct. Yeah. Kind of like an icebreaker. It's called sense. a lead or an icebreaker, something like that. Yeah. So I'll do something like that. And you have to establish where you are, who was there, um, stuff like that. And then you get into the what happened. So you... Do the icebreaker. You do the lead. You start saying like, okay, he was he was wearing this. He was he was promoting this. You know, he just released. And I'm, I'm, I apologize to all the females. I'm saying he as a universal he. It could be a she. Yeah. You know, I love women. I love women artists. <laughs> so you know, it could be he or she. But in this, nice other, I'm just saying he. <laughs> you know, that artist could be you know promoting an album or coming off a tour or maybe something happened in the news. They just you know broke up with an with a you know whatever person or it's just something that has to do with that person that will keep people interested in what you're trying to say because at the end of the day if somebody's reading your article and within the first paragraph you already lose them that's it like they're not even going to look at the rest of the photos because like oh this is boring click yeah. people's attention spans are so small and so yeah. all over the place these days that it, it's very it, it's a hard gig but that's why when you said earlier when you uh -huh. said that you, that the John Mayer when you thought yeah. it was short yeah I honestly liked it because I feel it was short and it was straight to the point yeah like to me to me though because it, yeah. I felt like it was still they were still humorous like I told you the things yeah. I liked but it was still straight to the point I still got the overall picture of mm -hmm. it like I just loved it because of that thanks man um, most of the time my editor will read it and they might make a couple of grammatical changes or, or and that's what i was asking the spell yeah. checks who does your spell well you checks? i'm i'm very i'm very i'm a picky writer and that's oh, why picky. mostly okay we used to start posting things on the houston press at 8 a.m and go until noon but then an ultimatum went out through the whole company and they're like no you need to start posting things at 4 a.m and finish by eight or nine because most people are going to read it when they come into work or right. when they're at lunch mm -hmm. so that shifted it i'm always the last motherfucker to turn in my review because one it takes me I'm very meticulous about my photos and my edits I want to show the best photo and I want to show it in the best way possible so it takes me a little while to even though I've done it for so long it takes me a little while to go through all the photos select the best ones and then edit them to the best of my abilities I'm not gonna submit something into the world that looks like crap bottom line for anybody for Houston Press, for any of the magazines I work for, for any of the brands I work for, for any of the private portraits that I take, I'm not going to give them crap. It has to be in focus. It has to be well composition. It has to be well edited. You know, all the weddings that I shoot, everything has to be, has to look good because they're paying you hopefully good money for quality. I, I will give quality over quantity any day. It's a bet. Yeah. Now, same with the writing. Like you said, if I can write something and if I said everything I need to say within four, three, four, five hundred words, then that's all I'm going to submit. You know, I don't really believe in 
and uh, f uh, fluffing up the piece just for more words because that's bullshit. Now, most of the time, my editors are cool with it. Um, they'll read it. Everything looks good. Photos are good. They'll post it. I would say, especially now, because I've been working with the press since '09, and like, I'm, I have a lot of. They trust me. Yeah, you've built that relationship yeah. already. Yeah. It, very rarely will they come back and say, "Maybe you, you know, did you miss something? Can you add something?" And it's not a big ask. You know, it, I know that they're just looking into the best interest for the for the whole paper. So I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna say no to them. Of course. I'm gonna try to be as accommodating as possible. But, you know, if I really feel a certain way, I'm going to stand up for my, the way I feel. But, I mean, he, he literally asked me to do something quick and easy and fun at the end of my already good review that really added, it didn't really add, you know, amazing content. But, it, like, like you said, like, you thought it was cool and fun. Mm -hmm. Something cool and fun at the end of it. So, hey, that's cool. But... <clears throat> Uh, my question was, so we all go to shows. We all try to like listen to who's the great, the uh, next artist out of Houston. But it's like your job to do it. So I'm sure you have a personal relationship with it, and of course, a, like a work because um, it's your job. But who do you think? Oh, who do you are you like backing up right now that you think is the next person out of Houston that you really want to see win that you think is gonna be the next person you like? Breakthrough. So I worked on. Uh, I worked with Doman mm -hmm. at the beginning of his career. Uh, the first album was Gold Blooded. I shot his um, all his album artwork, mm -hmm. and then I went on the his first little, his first little tour, which we did Austin, Laredo, and Dallas, and I traveled with him then. Mm -hmm. I saw something special in him at that point. I I so Doman represents. He's from the southeast. Yeah. Uh, Doman Dyna, uh, D-Y-N-A is, yes. is his yep. imprint. Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine was his manager, my friend Sergio, and he's the one who kind of put me on with him on that project. I've seen him in hotel rooms going over his show, which nobody told him to do that, mm -hmm. you know, but he was very meticulous about it because he wanted to be, he wants to be great. A lot of people, especially artists, even if they know they're great lyricists or great producers or great musicians, they'll 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 be content. They'll stay content about it. And I saw in Doman that he was never really content. He wanted to push the envelope, keep going, mm -hmm. get new music, have a good show, you know. And man, that dude can spit some rhymes. Yeah. I mean. I posted the other day. I said because he, they just did, uh, he reposted something that an interview from South by Southwest that Remezcla did with him, and he, in there he said, you know, people labeled me labeled him as a Latin artist or a Mexican American yeah. rapper or whatever, and he goes, but really it doesn't matter the color of the, my skin or the color of the game. I'm gonna mm -hmm. try to be as good as anybody else. Yeah. And I posted. I'm like, look, I've been there since the beginning. He's not just as good as anybody else. He's fucking better. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the guys that that uh, that you know, and even uh, the, with the whole uh, thing they just did the Houston yeah Houston rap battle he fucking demolished yeah that, that guy shit. is a he fucking killed it yeah. dude and and I thought it was fucking dope yeah and uh, in the past um, and I'm still real cool with him Dobizi I also kind of feel in that same 
that dude is so good at what he does and at his in his character his way of rhyming and putting words together and I mean I still go back to his Reggie Bush and Kool-Aid yeah, days that was like in 2012 holy I shit that shit was so good yeah and you've had some good good people from then mm -hmm. like you had D'Lo you know you know you had Dobe Easy you had, now you had Doma and it's funny that they're all D's <laughs> um, recently I worked with um, T2 the Ghetto Hippie Totally different from any of the other people that I've worked with. He's very chill, relaxed, definitely a hippie. He smokes a lot. His vibe is different, but it's sincere. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, plus his latest album is called Double Cups and Taco Trucks. <laughs> and I, I did a lot of work for him, a lot of photo work. I had the opportunity to shoot his album cover, but I had another gig that day and they... I wasn't able to, so I submitted another photographer to do it. But man, you know, T2 is pretty chill. Um, Ellie Dollar Sign. Yeah. Les, that guy is probably the most underrated guy in Houston. Uh, yeah, man, for sure. That guy is so, I mean, every little album, EP, whatever he puts out is so High fucking quality, good. Yeah. So good. The production is good. Yeah. You know, Happy Perez helps mm -hmm. him out a lot. You know, DJ Mr. Rogers does his stuff a lot. So everything is just super top-notch with, with Les. Yeah, especially, like, I like a the lot merch, of his, um, anything oh, with his car shit, man. Dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a lot of the car shit that came out, I was like, dude, that's so dope. I remember when he sampled uh, Fast and Furious. Yeah. He sampled, you never had me, you never had your car. I was like, oh, my You showed God. me that. Yeah, because yeah, I was already fucking with him. Yeah. Um, Les, is, a, on, Les is amazing. And he, he's a great, he loves tacos. Less, less is a. Sometimes he'll send me stuff, and I'm like, "What? Where did you see this?" <laughs> He's like, "You remember? You, you gotta know, man. You gotta keep up with me." Yeah. So yeah, I think those guys, you know, a good. There's a good young base of people, and it's and it's tough because it's hard to have the patience to stay in the game and continue to do things. We don't have the infrastructure musically in Houston, like. Atlanta or LA or Nashville or New York or even Miami. Mm. We, don't, up there we don't have that infrastructure musically with record labels and execs and and uh, PR and all these people. We have what we have, but it's it's not always gonna work f for a lot of the artists. A lot of artists have to leave to get to get on, quote unquote. Yeah. And a lot of people think that you know what my you know, my album was so good. Why am I not signed yet? There's a lot of there's a lot of answers to that question, and it's not always that they're not good. They could be amazing, they could be the best, but it's just it's just a hard it's a hard market to crack. It's a hard it's like, industry. It's like going to the NBA. How many people that <laughs> yeah. play basketball that even play basketball on a collegiate level make it in the NBA? What is it? One percent. Yo, they'll talk about their people that say, yo, man, my man's out on the street right now hooping in the hood. Like, he's better yeah. than half of these dudes. And it's true. Easily, you know? So, yeah, you're right. But it's there's just a lot about, of factors it's just like, that go hey, into it. Sometimes this just broke for me where yeah. my man's over here. It didn't break from him as well. It's funny. Uh, Y'all you, brought that up. My cousin, um, Thomas, um, yesterday he was talking to me, and uh, he was like, 
Dude, I just wish my, my parents would have told me, dude, you're not going to be an NFL player, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're, well, you're like less one one like less of 1%, bro, that's going to make it. Oh, on, this, on this same kind of level that we're talking about, it's something I was going to say earlier in the, in the podcast. Talking about not going to the NBA and talking about not getting signed as an artist. As a photographer, I am not the best photographer in this city, let alone in the game or in the in the photography world but i hustle my ass off I, I everything that i get as far as gig is 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 from the heart and i've worked hard to get that in one way or another um i've had a lot of help along the way from other photographers or other editors or other people that have helped me along the way but um i'm not trained technically as a photographer I'm, I'm more of a self-taught guy but man i love what i do and i think that's what people see in my in my You're style passionate and, about yeah and i love houston and i love people and i love music and i think when when you add that little extra sense of of um encouragement and and love into what you do then it shows so i tell people all the time i'm not the best photographer probably when I'm shooting a show, I'm I'm not even the best photographer in the room, but man, I will talk to everybody, I will get my shots, I will, you know, try to capture something that maybe somebody else isn't capturing, and do my best. And at the end of the day, that's all you can do. You tell me, you ask me about advice to give to people. Do your fucking best. Get better every day. Keep learning. You're nothing's gonna be given to you. You have to. Get out in the world and, and, and do it for yourself. Don't be afraid to ask for help. But also don't be, don't expect a fucking handout. So there's a there's a fine line. There's a, there's a big course, balance yes. between everything. You know? Um, I try not to talk about myself a lot, you know? But um, you also have to believe in yourself. At some point, if you don't believe in yourself, who the fuck's going to believe in you? Right. So, yeah. you know... That's one thing I wanted to say. <laughs> cool. Nah, man. I really appreciate that. I think every <clears throat> up-and-coming people sometimes, um, that's the whole point of the podcast, you know, at, at times to bring people like yourself to motivate others. You get what I mean? Sometimes I think it could lack. We lack that just as a community and just everything. When people start getting to certain levels, it's like there's no communication between who are doing it and the people who are trying to come up with. There's not that communication. So with through this, I mean... It's badass, like I said, man, getting to meet you and you giving that advice. You're open to it. And yeah. I think that's a, another difference. Like, you don't have to be the best photographer in, mm -hmm. the, in, the, in the room. But I think you're also, all, you seem like the type that who's always willing to learn something new oh, also. Yeah. Like, you don't, you don't feel like you haven't mastered it yet. And I mean, I've, like I said, I've had help along the way. Uh, one of the guys that helped me along the way was Chingo Bling. Mm -hmm. I, he put out back in like 09, 2010. He did, like, hey, I'm looking for people to collab with, you know, creatively. He was starting to do his videos and his comedy and stuff like that. And I emailed him, and I said, hey, I'm a photographer. Working for, just started working for the Houston Press. I don't know anything about music. Like, I don't know how to, you know, write skits or anything like that or do video. But if you need any photography help or need any work in other ways, maybe I can help you out. And, you know, just being around him where seeing how he works and how smart he is and how he built his brand his work ethic and is his crazy. work ethic yeah. i mean 
I learned so much from him, and I've continued to learn from him. I just worked. I was the in-house photographer for his Netflix special. When you go to Netflix and you look at his Netflix special, that photo is my photo. Yeah, uh, that's dope. When you click that's on Netflix. there and the other photo is my photo. That's dope. We went to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was there. I, I cut was his hair for a little bit. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, he, cool people, man. Super and cool, And dude. like I yeah. said, and that's when uh, I got an insight view to his hustle. That's uh-huh. what I'm telling you. Like, yeah. his work ethic yeah. is just amazing. And he was he was cool enough to get on the podcast. Yeah, and he cool. talked about his work. And he even, uh, he, he brought up people like uh, Kevin Hart. Yeah. He, he brought up this, that hustle. He said, hey, yeah. man, I see these people, man. They go, they hit it hard. And then all of a sudden, they're moving. Yeah. They're going somewhere else, and now they're hitting it again and stuff. So you can he got he gave us you know he he, he broke bread with us and showed us, hey, this is how I'm looking at it as well. So you That's can definitely cool. tell he has his heart. Super super great dude. He actually has a podcast, and I was on his. You were yeah. right. I actually believe it or not, that's why I heard. Um, I already had you on my Instagram, but that's yeah. why I actually got to hear about you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like hear your story, and I was like, man, he's dope. You know yeah. what I mean? And, it yeah. was funny one time I, I traveled with Chingo to L.A. And he was doing a Cinco de Mayo show in, in Hollywood. And he was also doing like a press run. He did like Univision, Telemundo, LA TV. And I was just following him around, taking photos. Right, I wrote like a two, two-piece two article about him in the Houston Press. The funny thing is, at that time, he had a band. He had a drummer and a guitarist playing with him, and uh, which was pretty cool. And I flew in with with Jingo into LA and then we were we, he, he was like oh yeah you're gonna sleep in the room with the band so okay cool he forgot that the band was coming the next day so I had nowhere else to sleep but in with in his room and I was like oh I'll sleep on the couch don't worry about it he's like alright cool and I think at that time we had both been awake for 24 hours like I had a gig then I got on the plane and he had a show and he got on the plane then we got to LA we did a bunch of stuff like, we were awake for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And, fin- and then finally, like, I had to sleep on the couch in his hotel room. And he was in his, you know, in the room. And I snore like a fucking bear. So to <laughs> this day, he still makes fun of me. He's like, motherfucker, you still snoring? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you need to get you one of those sleep apnea machines. You know what's fucking weird, though? Like, uh, uh, people are going to think I'm fucking weird. But I could tell a snore. <laughs> I could tell a fucking snore, dude. That's weird. It's weird, but I just, I, I don't well, know. Six cents or whatever? You just get like a vibe off of? You see an aura? It's a vibe. It's the way that, <laughs> I think he snores like a motherfucker. That motherfucker just, there's no sleep, there's no sleeping that night. Yeah. But, but it, it, it's just something about, I don't know, I pick up on, I don't know, it's yeah. weird. I think it's when when they're buzzing more. I start noticing how they kind of like relax more. Yeah. People who are more relaxed are the ones that like snore more. It's weird. When they start like, oh, like just... And it, I'll fall know. asleep in the middle of the chair. <laughs> yes, it, 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 it's very weird. But yes, I could tell. That's what he said, man. Did you have any more questions, Kevin? No, I Mark, I wanted to thank you, man, for joining us today. I really sure. appreciate it. You gave us a lot of knowledge. Yeah, I'm sorry if, you know, we didn't talk about amazing things like the current political uh, uh I think we need a of this. But yeah, I really, I really, no, I, agree. I really appreciate that we talked about tacos you know. over Trump. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, that's a new shirt right there. I know, right? Trump over Trump. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you, be, you better go fucking just go lock that bitch up. <laughs> I know, hey, right? I'm Copyright. gonna go daddy right now. Tacos <laughs> over Trump. Yeah, for sure. But no, no but I, thanks for the invite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming and kicking with us. Um, I really enjoyed it, man. You're very humble and you're very open to give feedback. 
and you're very open to give advice, which is yeah. pretty dope. Yeah. So um, I really appreciate that. Yeah, for everybody out there, you know, I'm on Instagram. Check me out. Marco from Houston is my is my uh, Instagram or at Marco from Houston. My cell phone and my email are on there. If you're a photographer, journalist, or whatever you're doing in the world, you need some advice, send me a message. Hopefully I can help you out. I'm an open book. I'll, I'll talk to whoever I can as long as I have the time. Um, and, you know, big up to Houston. Big up to Boys in the Barrio. Thank this you, man. Been, this yeah. has been amazing. Just I forgot to for shout it. out somebody. Shay Serrano. Shay, I worked with Shay Serrano at the Houston Press when I first started from 2009 to 2011. I went, for those two years, we went to every rap show in Houston. He would write the words. I would, I would do the photos. That dude is probably, besides my current editor, Chris Gray, Shay Serrano is probably the person who encouraged me the most to do what I'm doing today. I have messages from him from like a, a full year before I left my day job. And he was like, leave your day job. You can do it. Just fucking do it. But you use those as motivation now, huh? I still have that on my on my, on my my desktop. You got to, man. I still have it. But Shay Serrano, he's doing right. big things. Check him out. He has a couple of uh, New York Times best-selling books. One of them is called The Rap Yearbook. The, the other one's The Bun Bees Coloring Book. Mm-hmm. And he's coming out with one called Basketball and Other Things. Yeah. His favorite saying is shoot your shot. <laughs> but just take your chance. You know, if you want to do something in life, fucking do it. Shoot your shot. And, um, you know, big ups to Shea Serrano. Look him up on Twitter. He's one of the mo- funniest motherfuckers on there. At Shea Serrano, S-H-E-A-S-E-R-R-A-N-O. Um, yeah, that guy's kind of like my hero. So. My dad, he's, he, he's killing it in the writing game from out Dude. of Houston. Yeah, that guy's amazing. I mean, I've, I've known him. He used to make me go pick him up at his house when he goes, used to live off of Stella Link. And take him to a show and then take him back to his house. And I live in the north side. But that's the kind of sacrifice that you that I, you have to go through. Yeah. But you know what's crazy? You know? Like, that's what I'm telling you. You were always willing to learn, man. Like, that's the type of stuff that's like, no matter what, you were still learning something. Yeah, you get what sure. I mean? And, and I bet he gave you knowledge. You Dude. get what I mean? You appreciated it because he gave you knowledge. I mean, so a, lot, a lot of the stuff that I do, I, I, I like, especially writing-wise, he's an amazing writer. Because he's doing it from his heart. He's not trying to be somebody else. Yeah. And he says it all the time. He goes, I can't believe people are paying me to tell jokes about poop and about <laughs> having sex with his wife and listening to Drake and, you know, his kids. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. But it's amazing. And, like, watch movies. He gets paid to do all of this and write all of this, and it's amazing. Yeah. So, and I've gotten a couple of, uh, like, uh, those. He got me on with one of his book uh, editors. And a couple of my photos are coming out in a in a book about the um, the women's rights movement or whatever. Mm-hmm. We had uh, uh, a thing in Houston, and they bought four of my photos, but because Shay told them about me. Damn, that's badass. I mean, man. just stuff like that. Like I got paid. I didn't even know I was gonna get paid for that, and I got paid for that. So. Damn, that's. That, those are good people to know. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. You know, so. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of amazing people here in Houston. That are doing big things, and um, hopefully, I can be one of those people one day. <laughs> Bet for sure. Um, uh, again, one more thing, I just wanted to say one more thing. It is badass that you're Latino, man. Just uh, it's badass that you take it, you carry that shit with you, and you yeah. take it everywhere you go. Especially in the times we're in right now, I know we didn't touch so much. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. 
politics side, basically, like he said, we're trying to take a break from it. Yeah. It's very touchy, but at the end of the day, you're one of the ones that carry it big with you in the yeah. city of Houston, and then we yeah. see it, man, I'm, and it's I mean, fucking dope. You can't be ashamed to rip who you are. You know, I am I was born in Mexico. I'm Mexican-American now, you know, but, you know, you have to be who you, who, who you are. You can't, you can't shame away from your heritage. You can't, you know, dispose of your life like that. You have to represent who you are. That's why I rep so hard for Houston and for for my city and for the North Side and and not just the North Side. I, I love no, you're very, you're very, no, you're very familiar with the Southeast. Yeah, I love like, Southeast. I love the East End. Second I can tell, like, you, dude, you're good. You know, A Leaf, everything. I, I love this whole city. A <laughs> Leaf, shout out. Texas, you know, Mexico, everything. So, thank you again. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all can catch this episode on all platforms, whatever, whichever one y'all listen to. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Because a lot of people have been listening to on iTunes now, which is pretty dope. So, appreciate that. Thank you. Peace. Hit us up on the gram, though, too, at Boys in the Barrio. Marco? Yes. Marco from Houston. Hashtag tacos rule everything around me. Oh, nice. Might steal that. <laughs> the other one he's going to steal is the other one you said. I know, right? We might have to trade. Oh. <laughs> tacos over Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Peace, everybody.